Hey everyone, it's Todd and it's episode 46. It's crazy that we're knee deep in 2018 already at this point, but it's not too late to look back at 2017 and reflect a little. And by reflect, I mean, we're going to be talking to someone pretty interesting in this episode. His name is Jack Kleinheinz, the NRF chief economist. He's the guy responsible for all of the predictions and forecasting and rehashing on what worked and what didn't, what numbers went up, what numbers went down. He's responsible for the good news and for the bad news, unfortunately, too. Jack is the chief economist for the National Retail Federation, the world's largest retail trade association. As a professional economist with more than 35 years of experience working with Fortune 500 companies, banking firms, regulators, planners, universities, airports, manufacturers, chambers of commerce, trade associations, nonprofit organizations, and state and local agencies. Wow. Dr. Kleinhein serves as a board of director to the National Bureau of Economic Research, the nation's leading nonprofit economic research organization. Appointed by U.S. Secretary of Labor in 2015, Jack is a member of the Bureau of Labor Statistics Data Users Advisory Committee. He's a member of the Governor of Ohio's Council of Economic Advisors and the Northeast Ohio Council of Economic Policy Advisors. So let's get into it. Let's hear what Jack has to say. Let's perhaps start. Uh, here we are at the NRF uh, in the middle of the Javits Center. We have 36,000 plus people. Could, could you just tell us what, what are your thoughts? What have you seen? What's interesting to you so far this year? Well, this is the first day of the uh, of the big show. And what's interesting is to see all the people who are pretty excited about uh, retail. <laughs> sure. And uh, there is one part of our program that I think has been uh, unique this year. And I enjoyed thoroughly already this morning, and that was to go to the Innovation Center. And there is uh, so much technology that we are going to be seeing, uh, both from the retail standpoint, from the retailer uh, herself, but also from the consumer, that um, it's in some ways unimaginable, unimaginable five or six years ago. And so I would say, uh, you know, let's not hold our breath, but on the other hand, I think there are things that are going to be uh, we'll be seeing that are uh, really fascinating uh, in the next few years, just because uh, we're able to see it already here at the show. Great. No, thanks for that, Jack. That That's a great, great intro to the day one of the big show. Now, changing gears a little bit, um, let, let's talk a little bit about economics. Uh, economic forecasting isn't easy. And at the NRF, you use sophisticated data-driven uh, modeling as the starting point uh, for your retail sales and employment projections. Uh, you report numbers which have uh, 90 to 95 percent confidence levels. So it sounds so technical. <laughs> perhaps, but, but we'll make it less technical. So, so the question really uh, is, uh, what were some of the wild cards in 2017? Uh, what were some surprises that? might have come up? Well, I think that that's part of the art of forecasting is to understand that, first of all, there are going to be surprises. And second of all, uh, you're never going to be right on the money. I mean, sure. it's just very difficult. But, you know, 2017 was was kind of a interesting year as we think about the consumer. Uh, volatile consumption. I mean, we saw uh, the first quarter consumers only uh, spent on a year-over-year basis about at a rate of 2% year-over-year. But by the time um, the middle of the year came up, 
uh, I'm sorry, the second quarter was up 3.3%, and then it was down again uh, to 2.3%. So this this uh, roller coaster effect really sure. impacts how we think about what's going to go in the future. Uh, so uh, that was one issue, uh, thinking through where consumption was going to go on. Employment was sure. volatile. We actually had two months in uh, the last 12 months that there was only less than 50,000 jobs created wow. in, in any one month. Now, um, while we did create 2.1 million jobs in 2017, there were some months like what we saw in October and November where the job machine averaged somewhere like $230,000. Sure. So, so just this whole dynamic of employment uh, is a factor. And then, of course, there are the things that, you know, there's no way you can control for or even imagine. And we had the hurricanes right, that occurred right. in September. And the data was very much distorted. And that kind of uh, caused some headaches for me as I was trying to figure out, well, sure. what's the holiday spend going to be like? So um, uh, certainly those events impacted. And uh, lastly, I want to just point out, well, the data gets revised. And the sure. Bureau of, Lea of, excuse me, the Bureau um, Bureau of Economic Analysis actually went and uh, revised the data going back several years, as well as the uh, uh, Census Department changed some of the retail sales numbers. So in models, you're looking at history of data. Sure. And when the data changes, then your models change. And right. so that impacted, um, I know it's kind of a geeky thing to be talking about, but it, it, those are our number of factors. And you asked about surprises. And sure. I just didn't expect the revisions were going to be as significant as they were. Not geeky at all. You're talking to the choir here. Okay. So in terms of the evolving retail climate, since we are uh, at the NRF um, big show, uh, how have store closures or perhaps the increased proportion of online sales and other things that have occurred uh, affected the economic forecasts, if at all? Well, that's a good question, a very good question, and, and if at all. Um, let, let's take apart the question. Yes, there has been store closures, and that has been on the uh, the f front of many minds early in the year. Sure. And uh, there is uh, an ongoing evolution in this industry, and there's transformation going on. Some of the closures were because some firms were not viable. Sure. Uh, and some actually were closed because they're no longer efficient. Now, and there are parts of the United States and Northeast and Midwest where the population has shifted to the Southeast and Southwest. Sure. So some malls and uh, shopping centers that were very viable 20 and 30 years ago when the population was different for those sure. communities, um, they're going to lose. They, they've lost uh, storefronts. Sure. Uh, that's one. We've also been somewhat overstored compared mm -hmm. to other countries. Uh, so the impact on the forecast really wasn't much. In fact, Consumers, as we have just talked about, um, you know, were, were somewhat uh, erratic. But in the last part of the year, uh, uh, the amount of retail spending has picked up considerably uh, in the last few months. So uh, my point would be is that retail is not dying. Actually, sure. uh, it's evolving. And uh, I think uh, there's no doubt that consumers are going to be wanting to buy things no matter where it is, whether it's a storefront or on, or online. And we look at it, you know, really as to a total package. Right, right, we, we, which is actually a great segue into our uh, next question, uh, because last year um, you predicted that holiday sales, so holiday sales uh, running from the period of November 1 to December 31, 
would be up roughly between 36 uh, to 4% this year versus last year. What was the actual number? Well, the number came out on Friday. So the first cut of the data uh, showed that we actually grew 5.5%. So sizably wow. different. And uh, you might ask, well, geez, you had a 4% kind of uh, sure. top end of your forecast and it's 5.5%. Well, there, I think there was a number of things that actually impacted the decision for people to spend this past holiday season. Uh, first of all, as I mentioned earlier in our for, uh, on our discussion here, is that we really didn't know what was going to happen with the hurricanes. Right, the right. And so that that is one issue that probably if we had known that it wasn't going to be so bad, we probably would have had a, a little bit more uplift in our forecast. The other thing is certainly the tax package that came out. I think there was anticipatory spending uh, because of the nature of what people were told about in terms of sure. uh, the bonuses and that there's going to be more take-home pay. But uh, nonetheless, um, other factors that really came on strong in the latter months of 2017 is we had, remember those, I mentioned that we had the job machine in yes. uh, October and November. Correct. You know, more jobs, more income, more spending. Sure. And that gives us a lift that we didn't ha anticipate. We had the stock market and stock market uh, price gains. Yes. So wealth effect was in, in place. Uh, we had a very confident consumer because um, they saw these th these uh, their financial conditions to be stronger, uh, more secure, and their confidence. So part of this is not necessarily embedded in the data and as Adam Smith in his writings would talk about animal spirits. Sure. And in fact, that was part of, of what went on. It was a very strong holiday season, uh, uh, the best in, in, in some decade or so. And what's also very interesting to me when I put that number out is at the same time in retail, there's been a deflation in prices. So consumers have been getting great deals. Sure. They're buying more for less. If we look at what they spent for something 10 years ago, it would be at least 8 or 9% more. A lot of competition in the uh, industry. Sure. And uh, uh, the, the, the pricing factor was it, um, uh, it made it very uh, attractive, I think, for the holiday season. Absolutely. And, and, and sticking to holiday for a little bit. So, so based on the numbers that you saw overall, taking into account uh, what happened um, with these uh, perhaps one-time events like the hurricanes and such, uh, did they have enough inventory going into the holiday season? And um, in addition to this, uh, did, did the cold weather front uh, even affect this? Uh, yes. Uh, they had sufficient inventory. Uh, I think that with the new technologies today and retailers being very mindful that they don't want to get caught with too much inventory, sure. there's been uh, a good alignment on expectations and inventory much better than a few years ago. Sure. Um, there's a lot more knowledge about the consumer and consumer preferences that we're gaining from big data. Yes. And that helps. That helps considerably on determining uh, what we put in inventory. So inv inventory was ve very well aligned. Uh, staffing was very uh, very well aligned. Uh, and so it worked out very well. Now, uh, the question of cold weather. Yes. Big factor uh, for retailers that sell winter merchandise. And so we did have uh, a colder fall and going into the holiday season, some significant cold spells, which actually moved that merchandise. So uh, it, it was to, uh, to the benefit for us to have uh, that weather while some people would not have liked to have that weather. Sure. 
Uh, I mean, where I live, we had 10 or 12 days that never got above 20 degrees. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And so what do you do? You got to go out and find some sweaters and coats. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, no. Same same here on the East Coast. If you remember the news, um, at the be- end of the holiday season, beginning of the new year, it, we had a cold front that was unheard of, at least exactly. uh, in that, recent years. Uh, polar vortex uh, hit so much of the United States. Yes. So it could hurt in some places and it probably have negative effects. Um, not to get too far afield, but, you know, the citrus pro- crops... Um, got impacted considerably and so we might see actually prices for uh, some parts some types of food impacted by that uh, cold weather great great and then in terms of the 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 increase so so you cited uh, the 5.5 percent increase um, in the holiday sales that were reported uh, this past Friday uh, what specific categories I'm not sure if you have any insights yet it, it could be too early drove the increase well, um, we do have some data that came came across from the Bureau of Census um, uh, Commerce Department on Friday. And so, um, actually, every one of the major categories did very, fairly well, except for sporting goods. Hmm. Um, building material and supplies, uh, they were up on a year uh, season-over-season basis, like 12.5%. Um, that's partly a reflection of the hurricanes, we sure. think. Uh, furniture and furnishings were up also uh, this past year uh, for the holiday. That's the combined November and December up sure. 7.5%. So it, my feeling is and my belief on those two components is, yeah, the hurricanes probably impacted the data. It pro- I shouldn't say probably. It did ha- impact the data. Sure. But there's also there's an amount of home improvement that's going on in, 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 right. the, in the country. Uh, it's associated with home sales. And, uh, and in some cases, people are spending more money on their homes. And so uh, a factor under, underpinning those growth rates uh, certainly uh, were uh, the fact that the home improvement was taken on. So one of the big areas certainly was uh, uh, food and beverage. Uh, that was also up uh, uh, for that period of time. Um, the, big, uh, the big number that fo- we, focus, we have to focus on was that non-store sales. Okay. So non-store sales in the census release includes online. It's okay. not a pure number. It's an approximation. And there is a number of things that are in non-store. But about uh, 70 80% of that non-store number is what we would call right. online. And uh, there was $138 billion of uh, spending in the non-store area. Um, that represented, I'll, uh, let me think about it. Uh, about uh, 17% of total retail sales. So you wow. take total retail sales, which in our sure. methods, we ex- we exclude autos, we ex- exclude gasoline, and we exclude restaurants. Okay. So um, there are things that we are purchasing during this period that are not pure for holiday sales or consumption. I mean, we still need groceries and we still need other uh, you know, products that you sure. need in the households. But it was a it was a very good year. It was vibrant for uh, retail, um, and certainly we ended up uh, on a real firm footing. And I think it's going to give us considerable momentum into 2018, sure. which is actually very refreshing, right? Given given everything that we hear in the headlines, at least in the, in the media. Yeah, well, I, I think that in in some ways we've been guided by some wrongheadedness on the interpretation of the data. Uh, with some of the data that came out early in 2017 about the um, 
the health of the industry, people look to just the Bureau of Labor Statistics for uh, the number of people, a number of employed in, in retail. Sure. Well, uh, the fact of the matter is, yes, we did see some closures and there was a loss of employment, but there's also been a movement employment in retail to other parts uh, of the spectrum, like fulfillment centers. Sure. And there is a growth in the uh, retail industry, investment in fulfillment centers and investment in, 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 in jobs. Sure. Those jobs are not being counted in the uh, NAICS code, the industry code 4445. So when you start thinking about how things are evolving and the shifts that are going on, actually the industry, in my view, is doing reasonably very well. And I think this holiday season does show us that uh, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty much alive. That's pretty incredible. So l- let me play back to you. So just so that uh, I understand correctly and the listeners understand correctly. So what you're saying is that NAICS code the way it stands today does not catch all of the retail employment. Precisely. So, for example, uh, just to make sure I, I understand and our listeners understand. So, if someone is working in a store, for example, let's take a local Macy's. Right. They will be counted because they're working in the store, irregardless of what their function is. However, if the person is perhaps working for corporate headquarters and fulfillment or a customer service There'd center. be two different things there. Headquarters would be a different uh, categorization for employment, and then the fulfillment center would be different categorization. Neither of those are counted in the BLS retail sector. Wow. So effectively, w- w- what you're really saying is retail is much healthier than anyone really realizes because this is something that often well not often if we're using if we're using employment as an indicator of of health sure which is one of the metrics sure absolutely but if certainly you know uh look at the profitability and wall street performance that we see some of these companies have had especially in the last few months sure no no which makes a lot of sense because if you think of the what we read across uh, the media is the loss of retail jobs and how the store closures which i think is a secondary point maybe a a little bit um related tangential but related uh because some store closure metrics only track the larger retailers they're not looking at the normal attrition it's, that's right. I mean, actually, when you start thinking about retail, we, we kind of gravitate to the larger stores. But some 80% or more of retail are firms with less than 10 employees. Sure. Okay. So there's plenty of individual firms out there that are, are, are doing pretty well. And, you know, it's natural for uh, openings and closures. And that's the other point that I would make is that they've just focused on the closures and not the openings. And we've sure. had... Uh, growth in uh, new outlets and uh, new firms. Sure. And we're hearing about them right here at the uh, NRF show. Wow. And and, and if I remember correctly, there was a statistic that I read, and I can't pinpoint exactly where, that roughly uh, 18% of the store closures are generated, uh, or 48%, sorry, of the store closures are generated by 18% of the retailers, which tend to be disproportionately large overall. I can't. I can't quote that number. Okay. I don't know it. Yeah, yeah we but, should both look up and research that one. Yeah. But um, uh, you said something earlier uh, about growth, um, except if I understood correctly, sporting goods was. Well, you know, um, what what I could only 
assess here is that why did sporting goods go down? Sure. I think it could be that a few years ago, athleisure apparel was yes. hot. Yes. And sporting goods is where you would buy it initially. I think that uh, other retailers have picked up on it. And now we're seeing, and I'm not a fashionista. You would probably give me more information on that. But um, just the fashion of more leisure wear, even in the workplace, yes. has, uh, and flexibility of, of, of clothes. Um, and I think that might have tilted some of the spending more into traditional, let's say, clothing and clothing accessory stores or in department stores in this uh, in that sector. So sporting and sporting goods uh, includes music stores, it includes uh, uh, hobby stores, etc. Sure. So it's hard for me to say, here's the reason for sure. the year-over-year decline. It was uh, not a huge decline, but it was it's notable. Sure, which is the only reason I brought it up. Yeah. And just to see what, what your perspective was, I understand it, it, it's, it's um, what, what you... You're commenting on what you know, but... And that was for the holiday season, yes. by the way. I wasn't really trying to uh, stretch it out for no. the whole year. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because with the sporting goods was for the holiday season, just right. for our listeners again, uh, November 1 to December And, and, and in 31. fact, you know, we had seen earlier in the season that electronics and, and uh, appliances weren't doing so well. So we know that uh, the last two months uh, can be significantly different in terms of uh, the retail spending and uh, the amount of retail sales that go on. Sure. Absolutely. Usually, uh, traditionally, that, that's why we have the name Black Friday. There are many reasons for that. We won't go into that. That's a separate podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, over the last few years, um, the proportion of online sales vis-a-vis uh, -vis brick and mortar sales uh, has increased. And roughly, and it depends on the reports one looks at, uh, but online sales stand at roughly 10% of total retail sales. And numbers could be looked at in different ways. We expect this to increase over time. When, or what's your view? When and what do you expect the proportion of retail sales to even out? And when it evens out, if it does? So you're, you're looking at them as opposites. Okay. My perspective is they're more integral parts of one another. Okay. Okay. Yes, it's about 10% of total sales. But... One of the facts that people don't understand is eight of the largest e-commerce companies are operated as traditional retailers. So, gotcha. Uh, trying to uh, have this distinction is is really uh, not a not a good one because uh, even Amazon is was a pure play and it's sure. now opening up stores. So uh, the, the the physical space is still very very important and actually. Um, E-commerce is a way to engage more in brick and mortar, and yet it's also e-commerce uh, making it much, much, much easier for people sure. to, to spend. So I, I'm a little bit hesitant to speculate, answer your question, when will it take over? I don't think it'll ever take over because it's being more integrated sure. into retail. Absolutely. It's, just, it's, it's, not an end, it's not a product itself. Yes, it, it is a means to the end. So, um, uh, you know, we're, we're selling shirts in the stores and we're selling them online. And then there's even the point where 
people are buying online and picking up at the store. Sure. So it's just melding things together. I fully agree. I, I fully agree with what you're saying. I, I think that sometimes it, it gets confused because retailers, uh, it's more of an organizational issue that it they is. sometimes... It is. I mean, it, it was a measure of, what, uh, in some ways, if you weren't doing well in e-commerce, you probably weren't investing in the technology. Sure. And it kind of kind of falls into sort of the, on the financial conditions of, of, the, of the industry in some ways. And that, that differentiation was important it is important to to a certain extent from a strategy for promotion uh and and advertising you know because we've changed that around sure. so there is merit in having the distinction uh it's it's just a channel in many ways uh, but to look at it in as opposites uh would uh i would argue that's probably not the way they're more like compliments sure fully agree yeah. no, no, makes sense so with that we're getting or have arrived pretty much at, at the end of our, our, our interview today or discussion. But is there anything else, uh, Jack, that you, you'd like to tell our listeners uh, on the Brick and Data podcast? Well, I think this uh, upcoming year will be a very interesting one. I think the economy is doing fairly well. Um, certainly with the uh, tax reform legislation, sure. uh, that will uh, be impacting spending. Uh, we'll have to wait to see. Uh, it's a mixture of things. Um, the net effect, I believe, will be positive for the economy. Maybe oh, an additional four to five tenths of a percent on top of the GDP mm -hmm. that we have. Sure. Um, I think we'll have to wait to see uh, how it all shakes out because uh, households won't really start to see this in their, until February with their take-home pay. Sure. And we'll see this gradual uh, adjustment, uh, but it should be a boost to spending. And uh, it's, it certainly should be a boost to companies, too, from having uh, more uh, profits that can be used for investment and also, not only for physical investment, but also investment employees. And I think that's the, the kind of the closing thought. I would say uh, another measure of what's going on in the economy is employment numbers and unemployment. Right. Uh, we're getting down to fairly low numbers. There's a significant amount of job openings. And in retail, there's over 600,000 jobs that are open. Healthy. So, <laughs> so when you start thinking about is, is, is how healthy is it? Well, if there's that many job openings, then they must be doing pretty well.